guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. We're excited uh, uh, to be continuing this series called Qualified. And let me recap just a little bit about what happened last week. A few of you weren't here last week, so let me kind of go over it. Just I'm going to preach the whole message again, then I'll preach the new one. I, no, no, okay. Some of y'all doing like that? Okay, here we go. But we talked about Hebrews 11, and Hebrews 11 is considered the hall of faith. And there's names inside of that that God talks about that did great things for God. And, and we, we read of Moses and Abraham and, and, and the people who God used, and he grew them through their faith. And God takes seemingly unqualified people, and he qualifies them. You know, if you read the whole Bible, I, I, would, I, would, I want to encourage you to read Genesis through Revelations, to read the whole thing, and see all of the stories in there where God took seemingly unqualified people, and he made them do powerful things. It's encouraging to know that God can do that with you, too. It's not just the people in the Bible. I'm looking out at a group of people that God can qualify if you allow him to step if you'll step into what God has called you to do, he can do that with you too. Because you know why? God qualifies those who he calls. He can use you to impact the world around you. He, no, I wrote he can impact, use you to impact or affect the world. You might think in the world, oh my gosh, I'm not going to go to Africa. No, I'm talking about the world around you. Your circle of influence, the people that you are around all the time, that's who God wants you to affect. You may never be called to Africa or Asia or anywhere, but you're called to your work. You're called to your store. You're called to, to whatever he's called you to do. You're called to be the best you can be. But you've got to be able to step out when God says, let's go. So many times when God says, let's go, we go, oh, well, I'll go when I'm ready. If you wait till you're ready, you'll never go. How many business owners out there are successful because, and you were fearful at the first time that you did it, but you stepped out in faith and you did it, and now you'll come back and say, man, I'm so glad I made that step. Come on, there's a bunch of people out there doing that. I had a, I want to I tell you this. This may sound, God may, you may think you need to do something new and exciting, right? But sometimes God is calling you to do what you're doing now, only with a better attitude. Come on. We're always looking for the next best thing. And, and God may be saying, how about the thing that you're doing now? Why don't you do it with a bigger purpose? Why don't you do it with a better attitude? Why don't you have a smile on your face? Why don't you act like you really like doing it? And maybe I'll, I'll give you something else. Come on, so many times God wants to move, he wants to move us out, but he said, you ain't ready to move because you're still grumbling, you're still complaining, I got bigger and better things for you, but yet you're still living back there, or you won't move from here to go there. I was listening, I was talking to my mentor and friend, and he was talking about the culture that we live in right now, and he says that it doesn't just span young people, it spans pretty much all over, uh, every, every age group is what he said, he says, People in general, and may, let me see if you're going to bear witness this. People in general are selfish. And Christians in the church, this guy's been doing this for 30-some years. He says Christians have become consumers, right? Commitment is way down. People are just not sticking around and doing what God's called them to do. They're looking for the next best thing, and they're always looking for something else. And 
They always want to step away to do something new, and God is calling them to do the same thing they have been doing, but again, with a better attitude. But you know what? Being faithful over the little things is what God's calling us to do. If you're faithful over the small, what does he say? He'll give you more, right? I'm paraphrasing there. That's in Richard chapter 1, verse 3. But if you're faithful over the small things, God says, I'll give you more. But until we can figure out what the small things are, until we can do it with a smile on our face, until we can do it with a better attitude, he says, I'm never going to expand your sphere of influence. But let's look at Gideon again. Gideon, who's this who we talked about last week? But he's not very impressive. He's just an ordinary guy, and he's the least of his tribe. He was the youngest in his family, and he was a farmer. He didn't have any political ambitions. He never thought he was going to be anything like a military strategist, but, but here we find him. He's hiding out. He's fearful. He's insecure, and he's unsure, wow. but yet God had a different plan for his life. God sometimes, listen to me, God sometimes does his greatest work inside of us when we're not ready for it. Again, if you ever get, you will never do anything great for God if you think you're never going to be ready for it. Because God is, he just wants us to step. And we're always waiting for, again, the next best thing, or we're ready to be ready. And God said, if you'll just, I'll prepare you along the way. So many times we don't like that journey because that journey is hard. That journey is a process. But he can do that to you and take you just a little bit at a time. Because faith needs to be developed. I'm probably going to mess this up. Oh, I just spoke death over myself. Amy actually gave this to me five minutes before the service. So. ago, there was a dark room. They had to take all the pictures in there, and they had to allow, no light could actually come in. But that's when the best development happened was in the dark. And we talk about Hebrews 11, and Abraham is one of the biggest names in there. And he starts talking about Abraham being the father of faith. But Abraham had to leave, oh, listen to this. He had to leave everything he knew. He had money, he had fame, he had success back there, and he had to leave everything he knew, and he asked God, where am I going? And God says, I'll tell you when you get there. Come on, nobody likes that journey, do they? don't want to, I want to know where I'm going to get, there's some people who have itineraries for everything. You all know what I'm talking about. You go on vacation with me, you got every hour of the day posted. That's, now, that's not me, but I like to know where I'm going. I like to know where I'm staying. And so he gets him out in the country all by himself, and then he says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. A hundred years later, he doesn't even have a child. I mean, 75 years later, he doesn't have a child. God says, I'm still going to make you the father of many nations. Yeah. 25 more years, he had to develop his faith in God, and finally he got the promise. How about Moses? Moses is in the Hall of Fame, and he was a great leader for Israel, and God chose him to lead the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. 
but he had to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Some of us won't spend 40 minutes in the... God, this is getting too hard. And God's like, it's only 11.10. We only started this process an hour ago. Can you imagine 40 years? But what Moses had to do is he had to be developed into the leader. I don't, it didn't develop for me. Ooh, the black ceiling. What a beautiful black ceiling. Look at this. Best picture of a black ceiling you'll ever get. My apologies, Amy. That was all on me. But. Okay. Thank you, honey. It's how I learn when you correct me. Most husbands ought to take that one right there. It's how we learn when our wives correct us, right? Oh, come on. That's another message right there on humility. But he was commissioned to lead them into the promised land, not only out of Egypt, but into the promised land. But self-doubt and disobedience kept him from finishing the assignment that he was supposed to be in. God found a way to accomplish that even though Moses failed, but also because Moses, Moses did fail, but he ended up in the hall of faith anyway because he trusted in God. Listen, God will equip you for what he's called you to do, even though you may not feel like you're fully developed. Don't get in the process with God. Walk in the process with God. Let him develop your black ceiling uh, as you go. Because this is supposed to be developed as you go. And it's supposed to turn into something beautiful after a while. And that's what happens when you let God develop you. The process you get in right now may start out ugly. Listen, it may even get uglier. You may have a hard time. You may be going through a lot of things. But if you'll allow the process of God to keep doing that in your life, you're going to find out when you get to the very end of it, God's got a perfect picture in your life. Even though Pastor Rich doesn't know how to take perfect pictures. You've got to let God fully develop you. Don't let fear, don't let doubt don't let disobedience keep you from developing. Listen, if you want to come out of the dark, you've got to let God start developing your faith. You've got to go deeper in your faith. You have to trust God with your problems. You've got to trust God with your family. So many of us want to call our best friend up. Oh, come on, help me, Jesus. We want to call someone else up and get all the advice we can. And God says, I, I'm, I'm right here. You ever seen the Marco Polo? Uh, uh, Marco Polo, I'm right here. That's the way God is. God's like, hey, you're calling up everyone else, and you're trying to figure it out on your own, and you're going to this counselor and that counselor. He said, I am the great counselor. Bring it to me, and I'll give you the answers that you need. Listen, can I tell you what? God is patient to develop us. Aren't you glad of that? Amen? Aren't you glad he didn't give up on you? Aren't you glad that he didn't throw that picture away even though it, oh, there's so many of us right now that look like that picture right there because we didn't allow God to develop us. I'm getting wound up now. But here's Gideon. He says, show me a sign. Jeff Foxworthy, here's your sign. He had to see a sign. Look at what Judges 6, 17 says. It says, Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Listen, doubt and hesitancy are human nature. It goes right along with everything that we are. We, as humans, doubt and we're hesitant. 
Gideon needed some convincing, and he was looking for some kind of a confirmation. I'm really not sure what kind of sign he was looking for, but he really wanted to know if it was God who was speaking to him. So many of us want God to speak to us, but yet we won't step out in faith. It's not always easy to determine that. It's mostly because of our lack of knowledge. It's mostly because we're not sensitive to the presence of God in our own lives. We can't go anywhere. We don't know that we're hearing the voice because we're not used to the voice. What happens? Why, why can't we? Because we're busy. Oh, B-U-S-Y, busy. We got distractions everywhere we look. Social media, we can, oh, let's not go there. Let's not talk about Facebook and Instagram that we spend six hours on a day. Oh, Pastor Rich, you're stepping on my toes right now. But we have distractions and we have doubts. But listen to this. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Disbelief is the opposite of faith. Wow. That's a wow. That's a good one. I'm going to say it again. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Disbelief is the opposite of faith. They brought a demon-possessed child to Jesus. And they said, your disciples tried to cast this demon out, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring him to me. In Mark 23, he said, Jesus said to him, the father, if you can believe all things are possible, all, no, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father and the child, come on. This is what God allows us to do. Immediately, the father and the child cried out and said, with tears, Lord, I believe. But can you help my unbelief? Come on, there's so many things we believe, but in the back of our mind, we need to ask God. God, can I tell you, God's not afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of your fears. He's not afraid of what he knows you ahead of time. That should scare you a little bit, but also should give you hope that he knows everything about you. He said, help my unbelief. Sometimes doubt is mixed with faith. I'm not entirely sure, God, how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it anyway. Sometimes you've got to just do it afraid. Going Growing our faith and allowing God to develop us brings us into maturity. And spiritual maturity, maturity admits and realizes, hey, God's still working on me. Do I got anybody in here that God's still working on? Oh, y'all better get your hands in the air like you just don't care. And if you don't, time for the altar call right now. Because God is still working on me. I have not arrived, and I still have a long ways to go. But listen, he has a plan and a purpose to perfect the things in us. I didn't say to make you perfect because you're not perfect. Yeah. Listen, Linda, you're not perfect. <laughs> you may think you are. My wife is perfect. She made a perfectly good choice right here. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I'll get an amen for that one later. But he didn't say make perfect. Look at Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can I just give you some encouragement today? If God started it, he is faithful to finish it. If he said it, he will complete it. If he said it, you can believe it. The Bible says it's yes and amen. That's how God works. But God is for you. Look at verse 18. This is Gideon talking to God. He says, don't go away until I come back. 
and bring my offering to you, he said. I will stay here until you return. What an encouraging word for God to say, from God that says, I'm going to stay here until you come back. I'm so thankful that God stayed looking for me even though I was way out there. I'm so thankful that God allows you to come home even though you're not really worthy to come uh, worthy to come home sometimes or sometimes you feel unqualified but God says I'm still here for you when you come home he says I'm not going anywhere even though your faith is weak I'm still here he says even though you've had some doubts I'm still here even though your confidence has been shaken I am still here even though you feel unqualified I'm still here I mean we have People walking out of our lives all the time. We have family members in, in, in various places. God says they'll all leave you. They may all forsake you, but I am still here. I'm here through the thick. I'm here through the thin. I'm here through hell. I'm here through high water. I'm here through the good times and the bad times. I'm here. Somebody, oh, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, somebody needs to know God is here. Not just here, that he's here. Wherever you're at, in that bedroom, when you're crying alone, God is there. Somebody's been crying in their room. I felt, I just felt that all over me. Somebody's been crying in their room and feel like nobody's around. And they feel alone. And I just tell you prophetically, God just said, I'm here. He said, I'm there. I hear you when you're crying. I know the pain that you're going through. Come on, that's for somebody in this room right now. I know what you're going through. And I'm still here. Gideon goes and he prepares an offering to God. He brings the meat out. He brings out the bread. All you guys, we all love our meat and bread. We're carnivores and bread eaters. And the Lord tells him to put it on the rock. He said, not only do you want to put it on the rock, I want you to pour the broth all over that. Come on. Do, do you all like to dip your stuff in stuff? Come on. Come on. When I go get something to eat, say, which dressing do you want? I said, they say ranch or blue cheese. I say, bring me two of each one because I want to dip whatever I can into it. Come on. You know that au jus sauce that you get on the side of your prime rib? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm getting hungry right now. we got to hurry this thing up. But he said, I want you to pour it all over that rock. I'm going to tell a story here real quick. Me, I took my wife out to a fancy restaurant. This tells you how much I love, I love my ranch dressing. And we went to this fancy restaurant, paid way too much money, and I got a salad and they brought me out that much ranch. It was about the size of a quarter, and it was about this deep, and I'm looking at that thing. And so I poured the ranch, what I could get over that. I like to drown my salad. Anybody like to drown their salad? All y'all that don't eat dressing on your salad, uh, a bunch of rabbits. <laughs> But as in the process of pouring that over there, I got a little bit, I think it was about right here. She says it was here, but I, I, it was more right, right here. And I got it dipped down and right here. And what, nobody really was around. It was dark. You know those restaurants, you can't see. You go out for a romantic dinner and you can't even see your wife or your girlfriend across the table, you know? So I commenced, this is how much I love to dip, I commenced to spilling some right here. And while nobody was looking, I went. <laughs> I got 
got some guys going, yep, that's what I would do too. Okay, I gotta go on. I gotta go on. She was mortified, she said. So, yeah. All the four people that were sitting around us, I'm sure they didn't pay attention to that anyway. But what happened is when he laid the offering out on the rock, God touched the rock and it consumed the whole offering. I mean, there was nothing left of it. And that got, got, that got, that got Gideon's attention. He, it increased his faith. But now, number two, I think I missed point one, sorry. Faith requires obedience. Judges 6.25. It says, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. There isn't a significance. You know, that was the best bull that his dad had. Now, remember that. They've been preparing this bull, this bull for a sacrifice. It says, pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing next to it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood from the Asherah pole. That was another pagan god right there. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his family's household and the people of, his of the town. Before saving an entire nation, God put, God told him, you got to get your house in order. He said, I'm about to do big, big things in your life, but you have to get your house in order, and you have to tear down the idols that are at home. God commanded Gideon to disinfect his house before he would ever deliver anything to him. Me and my wife cleaned the house together. She doesn't like the way that I clean the house together. I, I've told you before, there could, I could clean for an hour, and if I leave a piece of lint somewhere, she's sure to find that lint. Come on, you ladies out there like that? Then she gets mad at me when I don't clean the baseboards. Who cleans the baseboards of their house? Hey, guys, who even knows where the baseboards of your house are? Well, Isaiah said he did because he actually installed them in his house. So, But she's like, we have to clean. We have to clean the baseboards, and we have to mop, and we have to sweep, and we have to do all of these things. But seriously, what idols need to be turned down in your home? What idols are there? And you may be saying, idols? I don't have any idols in my home. Idols are anything that you put before God. Idols are anything that diverts your devotion away from God. Who watches too much TV? Uh-oh. I'm glad I'm not the only one. How many of us spend so much time on technology, too? Come on. On your phone, on your computer. Well, everybody's, everybody's got their hand up on that one. But, you know, we think about idols, and we think about these statues. and all, But really, our TV can be an idol. Technology can be an idol. Video games beyond hours and hours can be an idol. Your family and your children can become an idol. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Image and success can also become an idol to you. 
You want to keep up with the Joneses? Can I tell you one thing? I didn't mean to call out the Joneses over here. Got 17 rows of them over here. But you want to keep up with the Joneses, and you want that image, and you want that uh, success that they think you think they have, but you may not know that the Joneses may be miserable. Our Joneses are not miserable. They're awesome. But let me tell you a little secret. We, we used to do a lot of just door-to-door -door knocking on doors, and I remember taking a young man with me one time, and we were walking around these sh this huge subdivision. I mean, every house probably was a half a million to a million dollars, and, and cars in the driveway and, 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 you know, boats, and we would knock on doors, and people were meeting us at the door. They were crying. Their lives were a mess. And he said, boy, these, no, even before that, he said, man, they must have everything. They must be the happiest people in the world. But as we started talking to them, as we started ministering to them, we found out that image of success is not what it looks like. Don't keep up with the Joneses. But if the Joneses are good people, keep up with them. We can't fully walk in the power and the purpose that he has for us until we tear down the idols in our own lives. So what we got to do when we tear them down, well, then we have to step out in obedience. God didn't tell him to do this by night. He did it because he was fearful. But here's the thing. He did it anyway. Anybody remember the 1980s Nike Just Do It? Yeah. Top five logo of the, of the last century. Just do it. Let me tell you what God, let me tell you what you do when God tells you to do it. Sometimes you just have to do it. Sometimes you just have to do it even if you're afraid. Sometimes you have to just do it even if you're unsure. Even if you're uneasy about it, you just have to do it. God calls us out of our comfort zone to take a step. Obedience and fear, listen to this. It's a great quote. Obedience and fear is better than disobedience without fear. When you do it, when you do it afraid and you still do it, God honors that. Courage isn't the absence of fear, but doing the right thing even in the face of fear. God will equip you for what he's called you to do, to do even though you feel unqualified. So let me tell you what happened the next morning. The altar was torn down. Uh, a sacrifice had been made. You can clearly see that. And the people were really ticked off. They're like, wait a minute. We know who did this. Gideon did this. Can you bring your son out here? We want to kill him. But Judges 6.31 says this, But Joash, that's Gideon's dad, shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue Baal, the false god? Uh, will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal is truly a god, you notice that's little g god right there, he will defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altars. Joash told the people, if God, if Baal is God, he can fight his own battles. If he's real, he'll fight for himself. Yet Baal could not because he was not a real God. He was a little G God. He couldn't deliver on the promises that our God can. And neither can the gods of the world right now, the little G gods of the world right now. Money will not give you security. Careers will not give you your identity. Religion will leave you unqualified. New age, we got people walking around looking at all of these different religions. They'll keep you, they're, they're searching for spiritual energy. But let me tell you what they need. They need the energy of the Holy Ghost. You're not going to find 
And what you're looking for in religion, you're going to find it in relationship with Jesus Christ. Baal couldn't show up, but our big G God did. And here we go. God can fight his own battles. He can deliver on his promises. And he's going to show up every single time we need him. But here's our, here's our hero Gideon again. If I was God, I'd probably be like, okay, Gideon, what's up? I mean, look, look at all the things I've done for you. I, I've already defended you in front of everyone out there. Uh, I, I burned up the whole sacrifice right in front of you. Did you not see that? It wasn't a magic trick. That was a miracle. But he still needed confirmation. Can you relate to that? God has done so many good things in your life, but yet we still doubt. We still want him to confirm something. We still want him to, to do it all over again. And God says, I've already done it. Listen, you can't get stalled, sidetracked, or stopped looking for a sign. If God has already told you what to do, do don't, don't keep looking for a sign. So many people say, well, I, God's like, I told you two years ago that is what you were supposed to be doing. Why are you still stopped, stalled, and not going in the direction I told you to go in? If God already told you to do it, don't keep looking for it. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has already revealed to you in the light. Don't press God to confirm promises that he's already made clear to you. Come on. Y'all, is there anybody in here that God's already told you to do something a long time ago and you yes. have yes. ran from it, you've yes. uh, walked away from it, you've tried to hide from it? Come on. i got some people in here that will tell me the truth. Yes. God says, I've already told you what you need to be doing. I just need you to step out and do that. Maybe you feel like God has spoken, hasn't spoken to you in a while. Then you need to go back to the first, to the last thing he told you and do it. God, I'm not hearing your voice. Well, I remember six months ago I told you to do this, and yet you're still in the place called stuck, and you're still in a place called unqualified because you're not doing what I told you to do. And then Gideon says, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, y'all. He says, I still need a sign. So he's like, I want you, I'm going to lay this fleece out. Listen, y'all, you, you need to read Judges chapter 6 and chapter 7 for yourself. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this. There are so many good stories in the Old Testament. As I said last week, that's the one that most churches and most people just dis, disconnect from. But this is a great story. He said, I'm going to lay a blanket out. I'm going to lay a fleece out. And God, when I wake up in the morning, if that fleece is wet, but all the ground around it is dry, I'm going to believe that you want me to do this. Guess what? God did it. So Gideon goes, okay, sorry, God. Here we go again. I'm going to lay that same blanket out. I'm going to lay that same fleece out. When I wake up in the morning, if it's dry and the ground all around it is wet, I'm going to believe you then. Guess what God did? He did it again. But here's the good thing. When Gideon was full of doubts, God was not afraid of his question. God still showed up, and he was still there. Now it was time for Gideon to do the Nike logo and go, just do it. Number three, faith requires action. God prepares you along the way. Military strategists, they want to go into the battle with the best weapons. They want to have every advantage possible. They want to have the best strategy because they want to what? Win. But sometimes, listen to this, sometimes God does big things in unlikely ways. 
This is how I fight my battles. He's about to freak Gideon out. Yeah. I'm going to paraphrase this. Here we go. Gideon gathers 32,000 men. Hey, oh, wow. 32,000. I'm doing good, man. I went from hiding out in the cellar to now have 32,000 guys that are ready to fight with me. But then he says, but God, there are 135,000 of them. I don't think that's the best odds in the world. You know, it's like four to one. You know anything about math? I failed that one. <laughs> but Gideon had 32,000. And God told him to send the ones who were scared and fearful home. Now think about this. You're 32,000. You're about to go fight 135,000. Don't you think there would be some fear that would creep into you? Don't you think there would be some doubt that would come into you and think, oh my gosh, oh, can we do this? 22,000 of them went home. That's good logic. Because fear is contagious. Doubt spreads. Because if they stayed around before what would happen, is they would start oh, gossiping. No, I didn't say gossiping. But they would start talking about what was going to happen. Oh, oh, my gosh, can you believe that they could actually ask us to go fight 135? And before too long, what would happen, it would infect the whole crowd. So God said, no, no, I don't need them in my army. Send them home. Gideon was standing there with 10,000 of them left, right? And God looked at him and said, you still got too many. Gideon must have been saying, what? Wait a minute, God. Okay, 10,000. That's We might be able to manage that. God says, I want you to take them down. This is weird. He, I want you to take them down to the stream of water and let them get a drink because they're thirsty. He said, the ones that just plop their face. <laughs> I did a push-up this morning. The ones that just plop their face in the water and just start drinking it with reckless abandon, I want you to send them home. Those that kneel down and they cut the water with their hands and they drink like this, those are the ones that are going with you. Only 300 of them did this. So all of a sudden we went from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. But do you know why God chose them? It's because when you got your oh help me when you got your face buried in your problems, you can't see what's around. So many times we stick our head underneath the water and there's things happening around us. And God said, I want some men that are alert. I want some people who are paying attention. I know some good. They can, look, they can still look around. They still know what's going on. God said, those are my people. God chose the ones who lapped the water like the dog because they were his people. Oh, my goodness. You know, Gideon's still got to be saying, okay, God. There's only 300 of us. You must have a great plan for this battle. When do you hear this plan? But here, sometimes the greatest battle is not the one that's in front of you. It's the one that's inside of you. Sometimes what you're looking at is not the problem. It's what you're dealing with in here. That's the problem. But God wanted to show Gideon that he was God. To make sure that Israel and Gideon couldn't brag about themselves. 
He drastically reduced the army so they wouldn't have anything to brag about or boast about. It's the same way he does with our salvation. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that none, not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works or some things that you could do or a big army so that no one can boast. God didn't want a crutch. He refused to let Gideon have a cushion or a bulky army. That's the same thing happens in our lives. We get cushions. We get uh, money is our comfort. Retirement is our comfort. Positions are our comfort. And God wanted him to lean on him. So this is how we fight our battles. Okay, God, I started out with 332,000. I'm down to 300. You, you realize there's 135,000 of them. Um, you must have a great battle plan. God says, I want you to take some clay pots. I want you to put a torch down inside that clay pot. And I also want you to take a ram's horn with you. And I want you to get in three divisions and surround all of them. Uh, hey, God, how about the AK-47 or whatever there is out there now? I'm not a gun guy. How about the machine gun or the tank? You know, how about that? How about that strategy instead of a clay pot with a torch down inside of it and a ram's horn? But he says, "Here's what I want you to do. I want you to surround them, and at, the, and at one time I want you to break the clay pot and allow the light to go on, and I want you to blow your horn as loud as you can, and I want you to start screaming. You know, they're come on in your humanness, you would be going, God, this is crazy." There is no way this is going to work. But God had to prove what Zechariah 4, 6 says. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, it was not his battle. He says, surround the camp. Take the pots. Break them. Start blowing your horn. <sighs> when you know God is on your side, when you realize that we are surrounded by our God instead of surrounded by our problems and our circumstances. When we allow ourselves to be broken like those clay pots, come on, let me tell you something. In these moments of brokenness, that's when you can let your light so shine before men. There may be some times in your life that you've been broken for a reason. As I said a few weeks ago, you may be the only one that can affect someone else around you. And your brokenness could be the very thing that could bring them to God and show them the light. That's when we can let our light so shine. It was not his battle. Here's what happened. When they broke, those, uh, when they broke all of those clay pots and they started screaming, uh, the Midianites started looking around and all they could see was light on the hill all the way around them. They must have thought, man, there's... They, they didn't count the lights. They just was looking at the lights going, man, there are thousands of people up in this mountain that are about to get us. And you know what God showed them? said, it ain't your battle to fight. It says every one of those soldiers started fighting again. Oh, come on. Started fighting against each other. They started killing each other in the confusion. Oh, my. In trusting in God, we realize that our enemy trembles before us in the presence and the promises of God. What the enemy meant for evil, God can turn around for your good. Yes. Can I tell you another miracle? Not one Israelite died in this battle. Not one. 
And they ended up, 300 of them chased it down, this whole army, and destroyed them. I mean, if you all would stand with me. Until we become face to face with the Almighty God and we come to grips with His power, with His faithfulness, and His promises, we're going to continue to hide in caves and try to produce fruit. That's what Gideon was doing, was hiding in a cave. He was trying to produce fruit. God says, that's not what I have for you. We will continue to allow the enemy to rob us of our identity. Can I just tell you, you're a child of God. You're a joint heir with him. you got royal blood flowing through your veins this morning. You need to quit letting the enemy rob you of who you really are. When we do that, we'll continue to struggle in our walk until we know who God really is in our life. This, this story is about a God that made a hero out of an unlikely person. It's not just liberating that person so that they could deliver Israel. It was transforming a life. And that's what God's still doing today. Yeah, you may not be called to lead an army or you may not be called to, to do those grandiose things like that, but God is calling you to do something with your life. He's transforming you into the light. He might have to break a piece off here and break a piece off there, but he's transforming you into the light that he's called you to be. Can I ask you today, what are you facing today that seems impossible? Maybe there's something out there in your mind. It's already going through your mind. This just seems impossible. What are the promises of God concerning those things? Salvation basically is taking a step of faith and meeting God where he's at. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've not ever taken that step of faith, these altars are going to be open. We're going to have the prayer team on the left and to the right on, over here. And take that step of faith today. If you will, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, just for comfort. If you've never made that decision for Jesus, if you will, just slip up your hand. There's no shame in the game. I see those hands. I see those hands. This is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So I'm going I'm to ask you to say a prayer with me, but I'm also going to ask you to believe a prayer with me. It's so much different than just to say something, but I want you to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. Say, Jesus, I come to you today. I admit I'm a sinner. I have doubts, but I believe in you. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Take control and make me new. God, I feel unqualified, but I know you can qualify me. I'm going to ask you as the prayer team is here, as again, the altars are open. If you said that and you want to come and pray and have someone agree with you, but also this morning. As Renee said earlier, she didn't feel qualified. There's some people right now that are not feeling qualified. I'm going to ask you if you would just to come forward and let us pray with you. As a step of faith, come around these altars and, 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 and let's take away the doubt 
and the hesitancy and, 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 and all of the things the enemy has put on you, we want to pray that off of you this morning. So as they get ready to pray, come on, come around these altars. And if you need special prayer, again, I said they're on the left and the right. But also sometimes there's just something about just coming to the altar by yourself and just saying, God, it's me again. I know you've heard me before, but I'm here again. And God, can you show me another sign? Can you... God's not afraid of that. So this morning, God wants to do something huge in your life. Let him. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.